welcome to Healthcare Hacks and Connections Podcast. Here you will learn all things podcasting, acquiring amazing tips and tricks required to transform your podcast into an essential tool to grow your business. On this show, we will bring in expert guests from across the healthcare spectrum. They will share their personal stories, discuss their struggles, and give real examples of how a podcast helped to grow their business. Now let's head into this week's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today, guys, we have someone that honestly, it was, it was even an interesting, interesting way that we kind of met because we have so many people that we know each other and we're like, how haven't we talked? How haven't we even got him on the podcast? So today we have George Bryant with us. He is a New York Times bestselling author, podcast host, and we're gonna go a little bit into that as well. So his show is called The Mind of George. And, you know, I just wanna welcome him to the podcast. I feel, and, you know, I think he's gonna have a lot to offer to you guys. Today, we're gonna talk about the customer journey. We're gonna talk about, you know, leveraging your email. And so, yeah, welcome George to the podcast. Thanks, man. I'm stoked to be here. I love it. I was, if anybody's watching this video, I was Instagramming us, you know, being, present because I got to do all the social things as well. But I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. And it was fun pre-chatting as well. So I'm stoked to see what we get into. Yeah. George, so for the listeners that don't know you, um, can you just give a little bit of backstory about yourself? Yeah. I, this is my favorite one because uh, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to keep listening or you're going to leave because you're like, no way, go. shape, form am I like this guy. So I'll give like the three minute spiel. So there's some context to how I got here. Um, cause this could be the entire podcast episode, but, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the fast forward version, the goodwill hunting version, as I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, pretty shitty childhood, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, to the point where I got my first job as like 11 to try to make money. And I was homeless on and off from like 13 to 17 until I forged my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps. And I went from broken home to being trained to use brokenness to be amazing and turned into a weapon. And so then I spent 13 years of my life on active duty in the Marine Corps, um, three combat deployments, some pretty severe injuries, uh, almost lost my legs in 2005, mm-hmm. came back, ended up tying a world record later that year, made a recovery, did some Ironmans, then got blown up one too many times, I like to say. So I had seven brain injuries in the span of like two years. And so in uh, 2012, they said, Hey, it's been fun, but we're kicking you out like medically separated. And I had luckily in 2010 started eating paleo and it was really good for me. I was paleo crossfitting and I wanted to teach myself how to cook. So just out of a hobby, I started documenting my journey on Facebook back when I had to use a fake college email that I didn't have that I had to make to get a Facebook account to then post recipes as I documented my cooking journey, because I was using paleo to heal my eating disorders and bulimia. And I would have never known that accidentally, and by accidentally meaning, my only rule was if I'm gonna post content, I need to engage with people that respond. And so I posted a recipe a day and people like, you should have a blog. And I would respond to every comment. And then literally first ever digital product, like as an entrepreneur, never went to school, never took courses, never went to college, never read a book. I just added value, showed up, they asked me for something, I gave it to them. And my first digital product made a million dollars. And, uh, it was a $37 ebook. And it was funny because to this day, 12 years later, I still do and teach the same exact thing that worked for me, you know, back in 2011. 
So I went on to become a food blogger and very quickly catapulted to the top of the spectrum in the paleo food blog world. Did write a book, became a 22-week New York Times bestseller, launched an app, hit number one in the world, got featured by Apple as the top health app of 2015. Built massive following. I had like six or seven million people a month on my website. I had Pinterest fly me up to Pinterest because we had a pin get repinned a billion times and they wanted to know how I did it or what happened. And so I really like <laughs> rode this like rise of like meteoric success. But the most insane thing happened is that I realized I hated cooking and I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. Cooking for me helped me heal. It helped me heal some trauma and overcome something. But then there became a part of it where keeping that business was holding me back from growth. And so I started self-sabotaging a lot. And I ended up losing about 60 grand a month for about two years before I stopped the bleeding. Like that's how bad it was. Like I was ignoring it to the tune of like negative $60,000 a month and I wouldn't look at it. And then took a trip to the jungle, uh, drank some ayahuasca, spent about seven days in silence and realized that I had to move on and I had to write a conclusion to that book. And so I didn't sell it. I called a friend and I gave him the entire seven figure business as a Christmas present. And I walked away in 24 hours. And that was the day that I needed to start again. And um, I kind of accidentally fell into consulting and I got to use 10 years of experience to go behind the scenes and help everybody else do what I did. And people started to notice. And so then I became a digital marketing consultant for a lot of brands and companies that people will know, like Men's Health and Onnit and Titleist and TaylorMade and Vital Proteins and the LA Clippers and you name it. Um, <laughs> all of them are my clients. And then that's what I did. And, and I did that very successfully, had all my needs met. Like I was basically retired. And my wife's like, Hey, babe, I love you. You talk a lot. I think you should kind of go back on the internet now. Um, because when I walked away from that company, I deleted social media for three years. Wow. So I changed my phone number, I changed my email address, and I deleted all social media for, I think it was just over two years or just under three. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing I knew in life was actual relationships. If I texted you, if I called you, if I met you in an event, and then there became a point where like I had healed and knew that I had a gift and an ability to help entrepreneurs, especially I love helping young entrepreneurs do it right and not get screwed over or get stolen from or gaslit from coaches or said it's your fault or you didn't try hard enough or you pick one. And I had a soft spot because nobody helped me. And I'd been through both sides. I'd done it the wrong way, the right way. And now I'd figured it out. And we decided that it would be a really good move for me to kind of come back out on the internet just to be there, start a Facebook group, maybe launch the podcast but no pressure. Like I don't give a shit how many followers I have. I'm never going to try to grow it. I'd rather have a thousand people than a hundred thousand people. And the thing that matters to me the most is connection. And so now I say, I empower entrepreneurs to deepen their love affair with their customers. And so you come to me and you say, you want to make a million dollars. I will make you a million dollars, but it has to be on the other side of successful relationships. And so I use words and, and phrases that are pretty ambiguous, but also very either disarming for people or alarming for the wrong people. And yeah. so when I start throwing the word love or love affair or deepen or ethical, all the snakes tend to run away really, really fast. And then all the right people are left that I can kind of pour into. And so now I spend all my time running my podcast, um, running my companies that I own, coaching my clients, doing events, and really doing everything in my power to give back and empower people like you and other entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. to do this the right way, to leave a legacy and not chase hockey sticks so that they can love the life they have, love the business they have, and actually achieve what it is they set out to do. And that is the shortest version I could give you. That was great. That could be its own little podcast, honestly, just that probably. <laughs> but 
I mean, I just want to thank you first for being on the podcast, coming on. And then I just want to dive into this because I really appreciate this about you. And now I've kind of taken this mantra this, this year too with the business is not hiding things behind a paywall. I think, mm-hmm. you know, listening to your stuff before you even came on, like, I really appreciate that about you. And I want to, I want to know, like, why do you feel that is a thing that needs to happen more for? Oh, this is such, you know, what's funny. You know how much I get interviewed. I talked to you about this before. Like literally, like I have like 16 to 18 interviews this week. Yeah. This is one of my favorite questions. It's only been asked to me like three times in the last like three years. Okay. It is such a good question that I think most people miss. And so the question is, why do we think, or why do I think, or actually I'll say this, why do I know? Cause I know at this point. Yeah. Um, and for those that like, and, and I'm going to say this to get out of the way, I've taken over 300 companies to seven, eight, nine, and 10 figures. I've helped two companies at a billion dollars doing exactly what I'm telling you about. And so the chops are there, Google me all you want, but like, listen, and I mean, listen, because it matters. Okay. So first thing is, and I'll start with a, a metaphor, right? Can you imagine if Apple only let you walk in the store, if you pre-committed and bought something outside before you ever touched it or used it? What do you think their success rate would be for having only 2% of the entire market, but owning 98% of the revenue? Because that's what Apple currently has. They wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, can you imagine when the iPhone came out for the first time and everyone's like, oh, there's this iPhone. You can't touch it. You can't use it. We won't show you features until you pre-commit to buying it, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. And one of my buddies is a manager at Apple. And so he shares stats with me. He shares that like, literally, I think it was like at the, this particular store, less than 6% of people that come in the store buy on that trip, but they're collecting evidence and touch points to inform their decision for the next trip. Right. Mm. And so when I started applying these principles and looking at like, okay, cool. Why should I hide stuff behind a paywall? Why should I make it hard to access stuff? Why should I make it difficult? And I, I couldn't find an answer that made sense to me. So then I started looking at it the other way, a little inversion theory. And I was like, why should I give it all away? What would it look like? What would happen? Where would it go? Yep. And I'm going to give this a long winded answer that has some, some data to support. So people understand. So then I started going to, well, not everyone's a perfect customer, right? And there's this concept that I teach my students called four paths to the peer. That's what I call it. That's my IP, right? And what do I mean by that? A lighthouse is our brand, right? A lighthouse is everything I stand for. And so the way that I look at it is that if I have a lighthouse built on the edge of an island, right? And I'm guiding people home, there's only four types of people in the water, okay? Type number one, I call stuck in the Bermuda Triangle, right? These people have no idea what they want if they want it or what they're going to do, but it doesn't mean I can't help them, but it's up to them. And so they're the furthest away. These are people that hit your website and bounce. They see a piece of content, don't watch more and they leave. Most people lose this game because they think that person's never coming back. But what if that consistent and congruent touch point was a piece of evidence to move them one step closer, like they walked into an Apple store, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of a different game. And so number one, the furthest away is stuck in a Bermuda triangle. Number two is I call they picked the destination, but they picked like a state or a country. And they're like, ah, I want to go to Paris or I want to go to Europe. They know in the general direction where they want to go, but they don't have enough evidence to figure out, do I want to go to Paris? Do I want to go to London? Or like, if I'm going to Texas, do I want to go to Dallas, Houston, or Austin? But they know they want to go to Texas. So I call them, they've picked the destination. And these are the people that come into our world that caught some of our content. And they're like, oh, this is interesting. 
Let me click through. Let me scroll their Instagram. Let me check their podcast. Let me consume some content, but I'm not ready to commit yet. And so those are the people that are collecting evidence to then move closer. So that's number two. Number three is I say they pick the destination and they're like, oh my God, Nathan, I love it. I love your content. I'm subscribing to the podcast. So pick the destination is the first moment a transaction happens to automate a relationship. They follow you on Instagram. They join your Facebook group. They sign up for your texting. They, you know, any which way there's an exchange of information that's not manual on both part is they've picked a destination. And then my last one and my favorite one is that smooth selling. Like they're just ready to buy, right? Like they know what they're doing. It's buy right now. And that's like, I pick up the content, give me your course, give me your thing, hire me, right? But other than that, there's no customer journey that exists. Everyone is either in one of those four buckets. You're either annoying them and they don't realize that when you're consistent and congruent, eventually they'll find their way back and they'll remember those touch points. They're collecting evidence to learn more. They have it to pick a destination or they're ready to buy, right? And so those Mm -hmm. four things matter. So now where does that apply? Well, if I give this out, which by the way, I just gave you something on this podcast that my private clients get as well they get the same thing. The difference is, is that I hold them accountable and I personalize the implementation of it. But now there's only really one of a few things that can happen with what I just shared with you. Everybody listening or you are going to be like, holy shit, he just gave us exactly what we we're looking for. Like, totally. So scenario one, you listen to it and you do nothing with it. Great. You are not my customer. You are not my customer, but I improved upon the silence, which means your last interaction with me at worst is neutral and at best is a yes. So when you leave this interaction and you leave this podcast and you maybe you never listen to my show, maybe you never do another one and somebody brings up my name, the last thing that you're going to remember is that I gave to you without any expectation of anything in return, Mm -hmm. which also qualified you as my customer or not my customer, depending on what you did with it. But no matter what, it is impossible for you to leave and be like, yeah, George is such an asshole. Yeah. You know what? I asked him for something. He gave me all of it and I didn't implement. He's a bad coach. No. The only answer is I asked for something and he actually showed up and delivered on it. And I might not have done anything with it, but I know he's there and they're going to have me in positive regard. Cool. Thing number two, I give it to you. You implement it and it fixes your problem. Why would I ever need to charge you money for that? That becomes the best thing ever because now it goes from a transaction to you become my biggest testimonial and case study. And without you even knowing it, subconsciously, you will recommend me to everybody because I gave you something that helped you. And I have a belief and a thesis in my life and in my company that you have to win before I win. That's how it goes. And so scenario two is if I give you an answer and it fixes everything, that's a win-win game. You Mm -hmm. either had the biggest need fixed, now you go out and run it, or it was fixed and now you realize there's more and now you're ready even more to trust me and come in. Thing number three, I give it to you, you go to start implementing it and you realize you don't want to and you want help. Cool. The first thing you're going to do is raise your hand and lean into me. And so no matter what, by giving away my content on the front, I'm setting myself up to be in a win-win game and I'm really competitive and I hate losing. And so I designed my business and my thesis and my intellectual property and my coaching and my models to basically make it so there's zero way to lose the game. And so now, as I think about that, I realize, and I've realized this through data and everything else, is that information is everywhere. Everything that I teach can be found on the internet somewhere. 
I've taught it. I've been interviewed by it. Even some of my clients who have paid me 150 grand for three days of consulting have recorded it and made its way on the internet. And I was like, you gave away everything I do and companies still call and hire me and they still call and hire me. Right. And so I'm giving you guys like everything, but I want this to make sense. And so you have those four customer journeys, right? So no matter what my content and anything that I'm giving you is either moving you one step closer to me or one step further away from me. Okay. Then once I have that, if I know that when I give you the content and the answers, it's only going to put you into one of those scenarios. That's going to have me in positive regard, give you social triggers to go talk about me. Mm -hmm and then move me forward, then the only thing that I have left to really think about is like, why wouldn't I give my content away for free? And everybody thinks it's because the content is the magic. The content is not the magic. The context of how the content is delivered is the magic. And so when you think about it, I ask people and I'll ask you, Nathan, when you think about content, what's the difference between content and a podcast, content that you opt in for or content that you pay for? The content, um, there's no, there's probably no difference. There is no difference. Yeah. No. So everybody remember this content itself is free, right? So if I was thinking about a piece of content, if I was like, Hey, I made a piece of content about the three biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make with email marketing. That's a dope video. Everybody would watch that video, eight minute, eight minute video, eight to 10 minute video, three biggest yep. mistakes entrepreneurs make with email marketing and how it's killing your business. Done. In, everybody will watch. I record mm -hmm. that video and I post it out on the internet. That's a piece of free content, right? Mm -hmm. I take that same piece of content and I add structure to it and accountability, it becomes an opt-in. Now that same video says, and I'm going to give you a seven-day journey to fix it. Mm -hmm. Give me your email. I took that one video, put structure to it, and took it in a level that's implementable. And now it becomes an opt-in because the moment I add structure and accountability, that same content changes its inherent value and becomes an opt-in. Mm -hmm. Most beautiful part. Cool. How do I make it a paid program? Just add access. So now when I take that same video and I break it down into chunks over an email journey that has worksheets and implementation, and it has a kickoff call with me in a group and a completion call with me in a group, I can charge you money for the same video that I put for free on YouTube. The content itself is identical. It's how we utilize that content as a tool to help people achieve a result that gives us the ability to either opt in for it or monetize it. But the content itself is the same. And so for me, give away all the content. There's no reason not to, because all it's doing is help people move closer to you by knowing you, liking you, and trusting you or realizing that you are not their fit or you are not their cup of tea and they're removing themselves out of your audience because you're giving them so much that they're pre-qualifying themselves. And so that is the long-winded data-driven answer as to why I give away my content for free. Guys, we can end the podcast right there. <laughs> like That, that, that was, was a masterclass, by the way. Like That was a straight-up masterclass. That was, journey. that was a workshop right there. You just got it for free. That's probably like thousands of dollars, maybe even tens of thousand dollars, depending where your business is of revenue that he just gave you. Yeah. And you know, I got to hit the hype button on that. I love that you have a hype button. <laughs> oh, I got to. I'll send, I love you, it. I'll, I'll send you one. I love it. I, I, I have it specifically for, for that. But also like if I make a sale or something, I need that kind of like, cause 
pi uh, podcasting entrepreneurship is very lonely you know and so my fiance is not here anyone's here to celebrate with me so if i need to celebrate with myself yeah you know? i love that man i love that and you're and you're right and uh i think I, I challenge you on your language a little bit to not speak in absolute that it's lonely. It can feel lonely. Yes, yes, yes. But only when we self-isolate. Yes. Because there's plenty of people that want to sell. I mean, like the biz bros, right? They're like two of my best friends and I yeah. know you're friends with them. I love their golden nuggets. Like we do episodes all the time and their golden boulder sound is going off like a hundred times in an episode. Yeah. But it's, it's a muscle that a lot of entrepreneurs don't flex a ton and it's one that they should. So I love that you have that, man. That's incredible. Thank you. And I mean, that's even before this, like another, another flex that I do is like, I've been listening to, uh, the rock and tech nines, uh, face off yeah, to get pumped up before, uh, podcasts or uh, before it used to be, um, DMX, like he's going to give it to you. Right. And then I'm telling mm -hmm. myself in my head, Nate's going to give it to you. Or like, if I'm about to go do a workshop, I keep telling myself in my head, uh, you know, like, so then I show up. And I show up like freaking bad out of hell and, and you know, like a firecracker. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Man. It's all, it's all about embodiment, man. I mean, this is an entirely different podcast episode to talk about like embodiment and muscles, but it's a really, really good practice to have. Trust me. It's a really, really good practice. Got it. So, man, I feel like we kind of did it there a little bit and we mapped out the journey. Unpack it wherever you want, man. I'll go specific. I'll give it all away. How should someone map out the customer journey. Okay, cool. Cool. So before we get there, we need to go why. Why okay. is way more important. Okay. okay. Why is way more important. So first, Always, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, and I'm not going to give you the full context. So here's the deal. I'll do this for your listeners and I'll send this to you as well. Okay. I have a one hour video training that I did for my private clients that breaks down the why, the what, the how, and the mistakes people make with customer journeys. And so if you want it, all you have to do is DM me on Instagram and say customer journey, and I will send it to you personally. Like, by the way, Nathan will tell you, I run my own DMs. My team does not. I send you a video message every time. I really answer your questions. When yeah. you pitch, I say, yes, send me the word customer journey. I will send you this video so you can watch me visually draw it out as well. So it actually resonates in your brain. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm going to get that out of the way, let me tell you some things that matter. So if I'm okay. speaking to this point, and everybody listening, you're like, oh my God, this makes sense. Then you're the right person. If you're having the thought of like, well, I don't really care what happens to my customers. I think you're listening to the wrong two dudes on a podcast. And so maybe challenge that belief and try something different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's why. When was the last time you've ever been around a friend or a person and had them come up to you and say, hey, Nathan, I'm so stoked. I bought this new supplement. I never took it. It didn't work. And I think you should buy it. Never. Never right? <laughs> 90 plus percent of marketing is still word of mouth. And people yes. like to think that a customer journey ends the moment the transaction is complete, but that's the day a customer journey starts. Okay. Anything else is high-end prostitution. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It serves no purpose whatsoever. And it leaves you feeling empty on the inside, both of you, and you're done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. And so listen to me, no one, has ever built a business that is successful and profitable on the backs of not getting results. There's not one business that you can show me that operates, that works well, and that is still growing and in business because their product, service, or offering does not work. Mm -hmm. So the answer to your question is, how do you build one? Is first, you have to understand why it matters and it matters over everything. So like for me, what I say is like, 
you can only be my customer if you're willing to do what you do for free and never get paid. Now, will you get paid? For sure. But if there's an ounce of hesitation, you don't have it in you yet to actually achieve what you want because it's manipulative and it's agendized. Now, yes, do I make a lot of money? Yes. But if you go poll half of my customers, half of my clients, half my students, they will all tell you the same thing that I made it virtually impossible to pay me. And by default, they paid me more. Not because I asked for more money, but I protected their results over the revenue in my pocket. And so when you prioritize that, it matters over everything. And so now think about that. Think about now, the last time you caught up with a friend and how many wins they told you they've had in their life, right? Oh my God, you'll never believe it. I got this. Have you seen this? Like you and I were geeking out about a microphone. Yeah. Right? So I made a recommendation of a microphone company that's not paying me because it solved the challenge for me without knowing you. I basically sold one for them and I told you about it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yep. a perfect example. But if this microphone came and it sounded like shit, didn't work, the unboxing experience was horrible, had a ton of tech glitches, I would have got on and be like, hey man, listen, I don't know what you're recording with, but can you tell me your mic? Because the one I just got, the road, it sucks. And then all of a sudden I become an anti-marketing machine. And so I say this because your customer journey determines what people say about you. Now, we like to think that people know what to say, but they don't. And so what I call it is the gossip gun and you have to load the ammunition. So if you load it in with things to do and say, they'll say it. If you leave it empty, they'll default to a negative state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so these customer journeys give us the ability to articulate to people what they should be saying, how they should be supported, what they should be feeling, what they should be achieving so that they can be held accountable to whatever the promise we made was. Like, I'm going to help you do X in seven days, which means if you haven't designed a journey that actually helps them do X, you're a liar. And I'm not here for it because that's just bullshit. It's bait and switch. Just like if you go into a grocery store, if you checked out and took 10 steps and then it said, wait, Nathan, do you want a dozen more eggs for half the price? You'd be like, get out of my way. And then they chase you into the parking lot. They're like, wait, we'll give you four dozen for half the price. You'd get arrested for assault, right? But yet we think it's okay to do online. That's not a customer journey. That's not protecting results. I don't care what you tell people. If your greens will help them feel blank. And then the first thing you do is try to sell them eight more. You're a thief. And you don't realize the long-term damage that's being done. And it's actually impossible to reverse. And so before you get into the how, like how you build one, you have to understand why. Your business success is predicated on people achieving the results that you promise, not that when they buy your program and do nothing with it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that you can get to a couple million a year without actually getting anybody results before it becomes too late to realize that the pain you caused is irreversible and you're about to go out of business because the titration takes forever because you're scaling and you're buying and you're using average order value and acquisition costs to get more. And then it hasn't taken a hold yet to where the back end critical mass has been affected to start negatively talking about you or enough pain to leave. But once it happens, you can't stop it anymore. And then you've had to watch people rebrand, sell their companies, start another coaching program, close a mastermind, make a new course, change their YouTube name, rebrand their shit, right? None Mm -hmm. of us want to do all that. Like, I don't care who you are. Rebranding sucks. Refreshing the brand sucks. Rebuilding all your programs sucks. Like, it's exhausting. Why would you want to build something to break it and then rebuild it? You wouldn't. You would want to build something that stands the test of time. 
So you have yep. to ask yourself, hey, why do these people I follow keep changing what they're doing? Or why do they always have a new course? Or why is this blank? Like those are fucking red flags for me all day. Because what I know is that you'd never delete something or stop something that actually works ever. Dang. And so when you start thinking about this, why does it matter? Because your business is only built on the backs of people who achieve the results. And if you don't remember that, you forget who pays your bills. And good luck getting a stranger on the street to be like, hey, by the way, I have this course that I'm going to sell you that you're not going to take and you're not going to get results with, but can you pay me $997 so I can pay my staff and my salary this month? And then you do it anyways. It sounds yeah. silly when I frame it like that, right? Yeah. But that's what most people are doing. All because they just simply haven't asked themselves, what would it take to get the most desirable or effective result for my customer? And it's not hard. Customer journeys are not hard. And I'll give an example in a minute. But I want everybody to understand that you don't have a business without one. And everywhere you go, like think of the grocery store. And I ask people this all the time. And I'm like, I've done this in audiences. Like, hey, put your hand up if you think you are in control of where you walk in a grocery store. And you'll see a few people's hands go up, right? And I was mm -hmm. like, you've already lost the game. I was like, you ever looked up at the ceiling? And they're like, no, I'm like, look, there's cameras, there's heat maps, there's placement, the products, the end caps, the flow, the food, the direction, where it is, the merchandising on the shelf. It's a funnel. All of, All of it is a funnel and is a funnel to get you to where they want you to go to maximize the average cart value per person at the conveyor belt while keeping efficiency and movement through the store to maximize the amount of real estate that they can use in the store and keep a flow of traffic up. And then people look at me and they're like, oh, and I was like, think about the car dealership. Mm -hmm. You don't think that's a funnel? That's a customer journey? I was like, everywhere that you go, including restaurants, have you in a customer journey. You have to stop at a hostess stand. You have to engage with a human being. They make sure that you're a fit for the restaurant. They're checking your dress code. Where do you want? Where do you want your table? They're seating what's going to happen, telling you to give you a menu now, who your server is going to be when they sit down. They'll bring you water, ask your drinks. Everything mm -hmm. is by design and intentional. And so if anything in your business is accidental, it's guaranteed to fail. It's guaranteed to fail. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. And, you know, um, I think a lot of people too, uh, what they do is, is they like to, to just create something just cause they're like, Oh, this, this, like, I think they want this. And, and, you know, I think by understanding the why, like you're saying there, you can create something without actually not, not without actually, but you know, you'd have to ask your audience, of course, and survey them, but, mm -hmm. you know, asking them instead of just creating on like what you think will help them versus asking the audience of what do you want? And then here's your gift on a silver platter, like take well, it. And, and totally. And here's why everybody thinks the content is the solution. Mm -hmm. I already broke that one down for you. I don't give yes. a shit what you put in your course. It's got nothing to do with it. Nothing. Right. Like you're telling me that we all don't know that sleeping more, eating less and moving more will help you lose weight. Mm -hmm. Of course. Then why is it a trillion dollar a year industry? My point exactly. It's about accountability in the way that it goes. Right. So like for you, like you help people in the health field, doctors, practitioners launch podcasts, right? Yes. Cool. So I could get you 10 grand easily to launch somebody's podcast, like hands down. Right. Yep. But if I was to present them with two options and I was like, all right, cool guys. Option one is I'm going to drop you and Nathan. You're going to have one zoom call. 
You're going to go for two hours. He's going to map it all out. He's going to give you videos, resources, checklists, equipment gear. And then he's going to say, good luck and check in with them in six months. Or, hey, Nathan's going to help you. You're going to jump on a kickoff call and it's only going to be 20 minutes to set intention, get the thing going. And then we're going to have a five minute follow-up every single day and hit these milestones for six months. Which one do you think is actually going to get results? The six months, of course. Of course. Which one do you think people are going to be willing to pay for? Uh, the six months. Of course. And here's what's funny. 98% of that's automated once you're intentional about designing it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know how to get somebody the maximum results from your offer, you don't know your offer. If yep. I don't know when you come into my mastermind or at one of my events, how to create the event so that you maximize the value, mm -hmm. I haven't done my job. And there I'm advocating it to you, even though I said, pay me to tell you how to do it. And then what do most coaches do? Oh man, well, you did it wrong. And they start gaslighting you, even though you didn't do anything wrong. They just yep. didn't build the container supportive enough for you to get it. So let me give you an example. It's like, hey, uh, you can take something like, I'm going to help you launch your podcast in 30 days, right? And there's mm -hmm. really two ways to do it. You either list out all the things that are required, right? Well, you need a name, a brand, a dissemination strategy, who you're talking to, a show structure, episode length, guest protocols, equipment, blank, 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 right? Yep. And then you list out all of those things, right? And then those are like all the tactical and tangible things that have to be done for a show to go, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you hosting it with? Where is it uploaded? What platforms are you on? Where's your RSS feed? Do you want show notes? Do you want captions? Do you want video? Do you want audio? Are you using Descript or Riverside? Yep. Or blah, 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 right? It can go on forever, right? Yeah. But once you list out everything that's needed, then you have to ask yourself, well, if somebody comes to me and they, right now they're like, I want to start, would it be supportive of them? to give them all of that today and say, good luck. No. And I'm like, do you think they'd be open? And you're like, no, I'm like, cool. What would get them open? And you're like, oh, actually I help them figure out what their message is. I'm like, cool. That is not to do with launching a podcast. That's pre-podcast. Mm -hmm. I help them figure out how to get confidence on camera. Cool. Got it. I help them figure out black. Got it. And then you list out all those ingredients that would get in the way of them yeah. launching that podcast. And then if you look at it, you have these ingredients of pre-work and then you yep. have these ingredients of actual podcast work. And then here's what I do. I take each one and I put each one on a sticky note. That's it. I have sticky notes everywhere. Just one per sticky note. And then all you do is take the list and you turn it sideways and you put it in the best order that logically builds on top of each other and you have a customer journey. Ooh, You're not writing is. any more copy. You're not recording any more videos. You're not adding any more captions. All you're simply doing is saying, what is the minimum effective dose to get the maximum momentum and wins? And if you take each one of those and you do it, somebody buys from you, the first thing you do is acknowledge them. Sticky note number one, congrats, the work is already done. Here's my hype track that you can start listening to now, but tomorrow we're gonna start getting into your messaging. Email two, ingredient two. Email three, ingredient three. And then it goes down now. Is there nuance to this in psychology and NLP? Yes. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, if you come to me and I have your attention and I don't have a plan for the next two steps of your attention, there's no point in me having it in the first place. Mm -hmm. None. Because that means I was given an opportunity and then I relegated it to somebody else. And I say this to people all the time. You are either putting somebody in a customer journey or they're in somebody else's. Ooh. And if you're working hard on content and dissemination and it's not, you make it really easy for me to steal your girl. And I do this all the time. I own a lot of companies like supplement companies, right? I was a part of a very large collagen company. 
And we started running out of customers because we scaled so fast. So I didn't go find anymore. I went and found all of our collagen competitors who weren't supporting their customers. And I started running ads and making content to teach them how to use the competitor's collagen better. Wow. What do you think happened when they ran out of collagen? I mean, they, they went broke. No, they came from us. Oh, oh. So I targeted all my competitors and I said, hey, you might have X collagen. Let me show you how to use it better, regardless of if you use ours or not. And yeah. I put them in a 30-day journey to healthier hair, skin, nails, better sleep, more energy, and a better mood. I took my same content and I tailored it. I said, hey, now that you're using Great Lakes, sports nutrition, blank, 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 it's great. What matters more than the quality of the collagen is you actually using it. We'll get into the quality later, but you have this and I want you to use it. So let me help you use it. Mm -hmm. And then once I help them empty their stash of they bought from somebody else. Then they come to you to buy the more. Yep. Right. Because you serve them. Yep. Same thing. And so it's like, where do you do this? Well, if you have a bunch of competitors on Instagram and all they're doing is posting content and no one ever responds to the comments, where do you think I go? The comments. If you have a marketing podcast, <laughs> yes. If you have a marketing podcast and you're teaching people marketing and you have a hundred people a day asking questions that you're not answering, who do you think is going to answer them? Me. Except what I do is I open it and then I send you a video DM and I'll even send you a resource that I have just to support you and be like, hey, I don't want anything back. I don't even want to hear from you. Just if you have any questions, let me know. But I had this and I felt like I should give it to you. Done. Easy peasy. It's there all the time. And so someone's either in your customer journey or they're in somebody else's. And if you're not intentional about it, mm -hmm. then it doesn't happen. So for all my parents out there, I have a five-year-old and a 17-year-old. I am the master of customer journeys. I have to be. You want to talk about a spread, right? Mm -hmm. So like my five-year-old, I can't give my five-year-old a list of 800 things to do. He won't get them done. But if I break it down step by step by step by step, he gets maximum results. That's a customer journey. Mm -hmm. Your spouse, that's a customer journey. Your follow-up, that's a customer journey, right? One of my favorite ones. And I'll give you a hack, right? There you go, yeah. I love meeting people. I love meeting people. What I can't stand is all the placated bullshit of like, can we exchange business cards? No, we can't. I won't. I don't have them. I don't own them and I won't give them out. And I sure as shit won't take yours. You might as well walk up to me and say, I don't care enough about you to actually connect. So I'm going to hand you my business card and hope you do all the work. Yep. Nope. Nope. So what I do is like, Nathan, I meet you at an event. I don't believe in hoarding relationships or potential. And you're like, hey, man, I help people with pie. I'm like, hey, do you have any pain points? You're like, yeah. I'm like, do you mind if I help? And you're like, no, I'm like, cool, real quick, come here. I recorded video. I'm like, hey, Nathan, so stoked. Just wanted a reminder of like how we met at this event. I'm going to email this to you. And I'm also going to include a link to exactly what we talked about. And so I'm dropping this in your email right now. And I don't leave the conversation until it's already done. That's so good. That's but then so the good. moment we walk away, I go write two more emails to you and I pre-schedule them. So I send that email in the moment and then I write a, hey man, just following up. It's been a week since the event. How are you doing? Did that work for you? And I schedule it seven days later and then I do another one 14 days later. So no matter what happens, you have two more touch points followed me that take me less than six seconds to do. Now, if you Jeez. go to an event and you meet a hundred people, yep. you get one video and then two follow-up messages that are the same, which one are you going to remember? I remember that. Of and, course it is. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I don't do that, but now I'm going to do that. I usually <laughs> just take a picture selfie and then I send it to them like with my That's contact good. and all that stuff. I do that too. I prefer video, right? It's like one of my favorite things is like Loom. 
Because when you use Loom, you can embed the GIF in the email and it's a moving GIF in the email. Mm. And so it's like an automated video, animated okay. video in the email, right? And so yeah. but here's the thing. It's like, if I meet you and you're like, George, I have a customer journey problem. And I'm like, would you mind if I gave you a free one-hour training, Nathan? And you're like, no. I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. Give me your email. And then I walk away. I'm like, hey, Nathan, I'm so honored that we met, man. This conference has been amazing. I can't wait to come on the podcast and connect. But here's the deal. I'm going to send this to you. And I want you to ask me any questions. Because if you implement this based on what you shared with me, it's guaranteed to work. And so below is a link to the training. It's in five parts, but please make sure you're ready and watch it. And then I'll follow up with you to make sure that it's working. I'm also setting the paradigm that I'm an incredible coach and you've never even paid me yet. I've helped you more than most people that you've paid money to and I'm doing it for free. And I don't really care if you come into my world or not, but I care that your last interaction with me is always a neutral or a yes, or I've improved upon the silence. And so when you start to own these things over and over and over again, I have a list of resources on my phone. There's five of them and they're all keyboard shortcuts at one, at two, at three, at four, at five. At one is my podcast. At two is the customer journey. At three is an email training. At four is my uh, relationship quotient. And at five is a connection piece with me. And so when we're talking and I'm Instagram DMing you and you're like, God, I wish I had your podcast. All I do is write at one and it populates my most popular 10 episodes and why you should listen to them. And then I send it. If you ask me about a customer journey training, I'm at two and I hit it with you into that email or into that message. And then I go schedule follow-ups a couple of days later. And so no matter what, I'm constantly moving you or anybody I interact with one step closer into either my lighthouse or further away from me into my friends. Because the benefit of this is that winning customer journeys isn't about always having the right answers. It's always having the right next step, even if it's not you. Yes. Yes. So for me, it's like now, like I have seven doctor friends that I talk to every week. If one of them's like, Hey, I want to launch a podcast. I'm no longer going to do it. You're jumping in my Rolodex. I'm like, no, let me introduce my buddy, Nathan. He's got you. He does boom, 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 boom. And then as long as you fulfill, I have a positive association with me. I get more relationship capital, more social triggers, more word of mouth referrals from both of you. You both have a positive experience and then we all win. Yeah. I love that so much. And uh, I think, you know, what we can do here is kind of related back to like the dietitians, nutritionists and things like yep. that, PTs, OTs, you know, I know you guys have frequently asked questions. Yes. He just basically gave you a thing like, okay, either go record something, answer that question, put it at one and they'd be like, okay, I just made this video for you. Here you go. Well, let me break it down for your audience because I have uh, quite a few PTs that are my private clients. I do this for. I've helped optometrists, plaxus surgeons, PTs, OTs, like you name it. Like that's I I love helping practitioners, chiropractors, because it's so easy. Yes. Here's what's funny. Every time somebody comes into your office, they always need something when they leave. They need a follow-up, they need a resource, they need something. What you haven't realized yet is there's literally the same three to five things for every single person same three to five things. And then every time they leave, we manually do it every single time, which also means that on the front end, when people are finding you on social or they're calling your office or doing any of that, they also need the same three to five things. The only difference is the context. This is pre them being a customer and one's post them being a customer, but the content is the same. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, cool. Well, if you know that every time you have a concussion PT patient and they leave, they're going to need exercises and follow-ups. And I hate when PTs do this. 
I'm in their office. They print me out a fucking piece of paper on an eight and a half by 11 and circle it. And then they show me how to do it once and send me home with some stretchy bands that I Bye. never remember. <laughs> right? So what do you think I did with my PT? I taught her this. And so then she was doing it. I said, hey, can I record this on my phone? And she said, yeah. So I recorded her showing me my exercises. Yeah. And then I said, do me a favor and email me that PDF. Yeah. And then I told her, I said, hey, now next time when I'm leaving, be like, hey, by tomorrow, it'll be in your inbox. I'm going to have a video showing you each exercise, a protocol and when to do it and a schedule of what days. And you're going to get these every day until you're back in the office in 12 days. Took us five minutes to pre-schedule the emails. And then yeah. once they were done, they were automated. And now I'm actually increasing the likelihood of LTV, of frequency, of showing up to appointments, of results. And holding them accountable in between, which, by the way, makes your job as a PT, a chiropractor, masseuse, an OT, and anybody more effective. And I'm also increasing the likelihood that they are going to talk about me and tell their friends because they have more touch points and positive experience to say why it's working. They're going to be like, why are you doing that stretcher? You look like you're walking better. Like, yeah, my PT has been sending me a video a day to help me with the exercises. They're like, your PT sends you a video? Mine hands me a printed piece of paper and says, good luck. And then all of a sudden, taking the same thing that you do and intentionally designing it for a touch point or two or mm -hmm. five or seven changes the absolute game. Yep. I love that. And I think that's also how, like, you know, as a healthcare provider, they, then you just elevated your value mm -hmm. by doing that, which then wow. means you can charge more. For sure. For sure. And, and, and here's the thing. I mean, you can charge more. You get easier patients, right? Because let's talk about it. I'll say it right now. A lot of you listening to this have codependent pain in the ass clients and they're needy. But here's the thing. We blame them. Do you think it's them or do you think it's you? Because we are not what we say or it's what we tolerate. Yep. And yep. so if we have people in a modality where they're in trauma, they're in pain and their come from is broken and we're helping them and fixing them, but we don't have tight containers and intentional journeys. All we're doing is setting it up to be a codependent, needy relationship because we're not empowering them. They're actually codependent on us. And most of these industries aren't actually built on getting people better. They're built on keeping them in pain to keep insurance billing up, to keep mm -hmm. them coming back into the office, to keep appointments going, you know, boom, 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 boom. And so a lot of this stuff happens as a byproduct of not being intentional with customer journey, not yes. thinking about like, Hey, What's it like when they come into the office? Like, do I really need somebody to fill out 35 minutes of forms the first day? Or could I potentially record a Loom video showing them the form, answering common questions and sending it to them a week in advance and also giving them an out if they felt more comfortable doing it in person that they could come 30 minutes early and my staff member would help them. I would attest that we would eliminate 50% of redundancy of people coming into the office and they would have them done. And the other 50% would only be people that really needed help filling them out. Yep. Would that buy back more staff time? Would that buy back efficiency? Would that buy... So it's everywhere, everywhere. Like, man, I'm telling you right now, I live in a, a valley with 300,000 people. There's about 40 coffee shops. I go to most of them. You will not go to one of the coffee shops in my valley without asking them if they've ever heard of my podcast because they all listen to it. All of them. Because every morning I get my large Americana with an inch of room to add my collagen. Ask how my day is. I'm like, great. How's yours? What are your hobbies? What do you love to do? And they're like, boom. And then every time I listen and I was like, oh my God, I'm like, do you listen to podcasts? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, I see you every morning, but I literally just released a podcast with the world's best person on vision and dreaming. Is it okay if I send it to you? 
Like, yeah. I'm like, will you listen? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. What's your Instagram? And they give me their Instagram. And then I either DM them or I said, or give me your phone. And I go download the episode on their phone in my hand. Because what I'm doing is I'm eliminating any gap between commitment and results to ensure that they have the best chance to succeed. Does it take me long? No. Is it funny? Yeah. Because my events in Montana, we have people land at the airport and a shuttle picked them up and saw a group of entrepreneurs. And literally, I no joke, said, are you guys here for the George event? This is at an airport in a valley at an international airport from like one of the hotels and the shuttle driver recognized them as entrepreneurs and said, are you here for the George event? I don't know this shuttle driver. I've never met him. Wow. No idea. But he listens to the podcast from being in the valley. And then it like even becomes a frame of reference. And so we have to remember that that if we're manually fulfilling all the time and if we're just taking it in a reactive way, we're disempowering ourselves and disempowering our clients. And we're actually the ones getting in the way of our ability to scale. Customer journeys only have to be designed once. They just have to be intentional. And we have to think intentionally. What am I trying to accomplish? What's the minimum effective dose for the maximum result? How do we get them in momentum? How do we get them in wins? And then if we break it down and you list out all of those things and you turn it sideways and it's one thing per touch point, what order makes the best sense? And then you have it, you have a customer journey. I don't care what medium, what modality, what platform. I don't care if it's email, many chat, text messaging, or fucking carrier pigeon. All I care is that you have it designed. Yep. And once it's designed, and I literally have this on walls in my office, I can look at it like, oh, that's where they are. Oh, I missed a step. Uh, boom. So when I do an event, like I just finished my event, I design a customer journey for after the event for what happened in the room. So for three days, we were together. And so at the last day and the third of the day, I reflected for a half an hour. I'm like, we hit this, we hit this. I have this, I have this. I whipped out 16 sticky notes is what it came up to. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at them. I'm like, yep. And I was like, all right, that would be good on a video. Oh, we should email that. Oh, we should text that. That should go in the Facebook group. That should just be said in a video. And then I handed it to my team and we had an entire customer journey done. Yeah. And then it's just implement and go, right? And then it's like, go, go, go but we lose because a lot of people react to it. And they're like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, stop. You said this when you were talking about podcasting, right? Before you come on a show, you get intentional. You drop into who you are, who you want to be, your beingness, your body. Well, when we have customers, what we have to do is drop into the experience that we want to create and build a container around it. And so that doesn't mean everything has to be automated. But if you know that everybody should be prepped the same and around day 10, feel the same, Mm -hmm. then that context creates the container for the content to be effective. And then all you have to do is sprinkle in some magic and everything enhances the experience. Gold all around. That's it. I'm like, I could do this all day, but I'm like, you haven't talked on your own podcast. So I apologize. No, 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 you're totally fine. I mean, I I could literally just be quiet the whole time and just let you go because I think you were just destroyed. Like, 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 you know, you're, you're really good at speaking. You're, you just destroyed the podcast, meaning like you just gave so much value. I, I want to say you probably gave someone out there probably at least 23,000 revenue, gross revenue into their business, maybe a hundred thousand just For from sure. listening to that, just because of the way that you talked about the PT and everything like that, because that is not what people are doing and you showed them how to give more value. Like, honestly, guys, it, it, you need to listen to this, like probably like three or four times. And like each step that we did and he walked us through, go implement that. 
And then, you know, if anything, you can go rate and review the podcast. He'd be like, thank you for having him on the podcast because I think, thank him for coming on, honestly, because I, I, I feel like we can implement that this year too. And I, I mean, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So we will probably have to have you back on for uh, part two. Done. But yeah, so we're towards the end of the interview. So what this means is we have these things called pod decks. I love those. You love them. There we go. Yep. So we can dive into three questions and then we can just hit, hit the road here. All right. Let me do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. Guy here. If you could retire anywhere, where would it be? And would you ever retire? Um, I am retired and I live where I want to live in the beautiful Flathead Valley in Montana. And I will be speaking and helping entrepreneurs most likely until the day that I die. And so I consider myself retired because I'm with my family. I do what I love and I love what I do. And so uh, that's my answer to that one. Perfect. What is your view of hustle culture when it comes to entrepreneurship? It's dog shit and trash. And here's how I'd say it. Nothing like convincing yourself that you hustle your whole life to die the moment the result comes and never enjoy it. This broken paradigm of like, there's a finish line or I'll start this when and this toxic thinking. Yeah. I'm all for working hard. I'm all for working hard. I'm all for grinding when you grind. But grinding without intention is just punishment and self-sabotage. You cannot out-hustle bad habits. You cannot out-hustle no clarity. You cannot out-hustle bad anything. You have to be intentional. You have to be willing to feel the feelings, ride the ride, and realize that this is an unpredictable, challenging game where most of the lows last longer than the highs, and you have to love the process. But you cannot outwork any of it. You can't outwork your sadness, your depression, your anger, your angst, your lack of clarity. It doesn't happen. And all it does is exacerbate the wound and it becomes a ticking time bomb. And I hate to say it, but it happened to me, almost bankrupt, had to walk away from a company losing 60 grand a month, ended up spending over a million dollars on therapy from PTSD to EMDR to cognitive behavioral therapy, plant medicine, Mm -hmm. you name it, because I pretended that I could just out hustle all of it. And so the truth is, is that we're all going to die. The end, like the end. And all that I have in this moment is you. I wanted to do this podcast. I said, yes, that means everything else went away. No distractions, no nothing. This is a choice. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be here. I'm going to be all the way here and I'm going to give every ounce that I have. And then when I'm done, I'm going to go do the same. But I will say this, and this is a long-winded answer. If you ask entrepreneurs what they want, they give you the same three answers, time, money, and freedom. Mm -hmm. But then the moment they have it, they run away from it. And they're like, I have to work more. I have to hustle more. And I think most people refuse to look in the mirror and realize how much they already have, which is what keeps them stuck from breaking through the next level. And so you cannot out hustle that. The one person that you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with is you. And it's the one relationship that's neglected the most and hid behind hustle culture. Jeez, that was great. That's how I feel about hustle culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with it though. I think a lot of us, I mean, I think, I think we get lost in it just because of like, the Tim Ferriss's of the world where it's like, oh. you, you know, the, oh, you can have a four hour work week. You can, but here's the thing. You, here's the thing. Anybody can. And when Tim wrote that book, he didn't. And I know him personally. Okay. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can have all of that stuff. But what everyone has to stop looking at is that these books and these ideas are doctrine. 
They're for inspiration to create things to set yourself up. I'm like, cool. I'd love if you had a four hour work week, but then I'm going to ask you what you're going to do with the other 36 hours that you would normally do. Mm-hmm. And most of the time people are afraid to say that I'm like, I want to go hike. I want to spend time with my friends because we live in this broken culture and paradigm that the only way to be successful is if you're doing more and having more, but it's a trap. It never ends and it's never full. And so, yeah, but I'm all for it. Like, listen to me, if you love grinding and that fills you up and that's your current love a bucket or that's your addiction, go for it. I don't give a shit. I had the same one. I had it. It almost killed me. And I know about this game that if you don't learn the lesson on your own, it's probably not going to stick anyways. And so, you know, try it, play with it. But I would say that if there's ever a part of you, that's like, I feel like I always have to work harder or I have to do more or I'm empty or every moment you have a moment of stillness, you can't sit there and you want to pick up your phone or distract yourself. You're just hiding a problem. You're just hiding a problem. And the faster you can have a relationship with that problem and explore what it is, the faster path you'll break through and actually love your life and design it to live it, to build a business that supports it rather than sacrifice it by building a business that's never going to get you the result to enjoy in the first place. Right there. Last question kind of got answered there a little bit, but do you find time for self-care? Self-care is the number one non-negotiable every single day. Not one. So like literally in front of my office, in front of my desk is an altar. I have a sound bowl on it. I have my crystals on it, my incense, my stones, my family photos. And then on the wall to the left of it is literally 40 pictures of my family with a meditation mat and a cushion. And every day I start with stillness. Every day I have a stillness practice. When I shower in the morning, when I shower in the morning, I meditate on the floor of the shower for two songs. And it's two songs that I choose that are in my current season. And this one is Trevor Hall's You Can't Rush Your Healing is song number one. And song number two, just because it's going to bother me if I don't say it, is <laughs> The Art of Letting Go by Fia. And so part of my morning, every morning as I wake up, I get up with my son who's five. I make his lunch. I make his breakfast. Once he's settled and dressed, then I go shower. I shower with intention. I literally turn the water on. I sit down Indian style on the floor underneath the warm water. And I meditate to those two songs every morning. Once those two songs are done, I get up, I wash my body, I get dressed. I go for the day. I come to my office before I do anything, no calls, no interviews, no emails, no social is I ask myself, who do I get to be today? And I intentionally meditate or call forth that in of like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the impact I make. This is how I create. Mm -hmm. And then my day is designed to start no earlier than 10 and end no later than three. Because after that, it's move my body, spend time with my children, fill my bucket. And so self-care is the only required non-negotiable for any entrepreneur to succeed. Every single one, because there is no point, like I said, sacrificing yourself to build a business that you're going to die before the vision comes true. It's this broken paradigm. You have to be the person now, and then it will come up. And my buddy, Alex Sharfin says this all the time. And I love him for it. Yeah, he's great. Literally one of my best friends. We talked for a half an hour this morning. Every single day we talk. And... That was all for my ego, but he's really one of my best friends. I love him and he's fucking incredible. So everybody go follow Alex Sharfim. Yes. Especially if you need systems or team building. He says you don't have the business or life that you want because you haven't become the person to have it. Yes. Nowhere in that does it say you change who you are as a person by doing more to create more of the same. You have to stop doing what you're doing and you have to change how you're being. Being intentional with your rituals, intentional with your time, intentional with your self-talk, intentional with everything that you do. And so, yes... 
I hike in nature. I live at Glacier National Park. I'm outside. I do cold therapy. I do a ton of self-care every week. I have at least one massage a week, one acupuncture and gua sha appointment a week, and one physical therapy appointment a week on top of my sauna and my infrared sauna and my hot tub and all the things that I do to fill my bucket because I can't be my best from anything that's less than full. I can't. There's more to give. And so it's the number one requirement no matter what and learning how to sit with it and using that muscle and flexing it. When the world is like, we need you, your account got shut down, your event tickets haven't sold, the podcast is broken. And being able to see that and be like, hey, it's not that time yet. I'll get back to you in an hour because I still have my morning routine to do. It means that I'm constantly in control. I'm being proactive rather than a reactive, which means I'm driving rather than riding the vision of my life. And I'm not being influenced by the outside world. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, even just messaging me that one time, because now it's led to this. And and now like, I, I'm going to be at the event for Michael Faber and I'm, I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to meet you. Yeah, I know. That's why no. I'm like, we're going to do this. <laughs> like I'll see you in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're in, you're in for it too. Cause I'm teaching customer journey. All right, here we go. You know, again, I just want to thank you for coming on. And then for the listeners that like resonated with your message, everything they had to say today. And they're like, hey, George, how can I work with you? How can they do that? Yeah, you can't until you get a result in your life first. And so here's the thing. If you don't think I'm crazy and you're like, I want more of this guy, DM me on Instagram. My Instagram is it's George Bryant. So I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T. So send me the word customer journey. I'll send you the training or send me your question and I will answer it. If, and if you are a podcast listener, just send me a DM and ask for my podcast. You don't have to go find it. I will send it to you. I will send you my top 10 episodes. I will send you the ones on email. If you ask me specifically, I will hand deliver exactly what you're looking for. And all you have to do is send me one DM. So if you're not willing to send me three words on Instagram, don't fucking bother because you are not my person and I cannot help you. If you are, I totally will. And I'm stoked to connect. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. For listeners, don't forget to rate, review, follow the podcast for more episodes. Peace, guys. For more inspiring conversations like this one, I invite you to join my free Facebook group, Healthcare Hacks and Connections. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, be sure to follow our socials on Instagram, the podcast underscore doc, and Nate Novice on Facebook. Thank you and have a great day.